I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and I want to share a two-part series on Israel and Psalm 83, which is especially relevant in, in current events. And I want to talk about the importance of Israel in the end time. So this is part one of, of that series where I want to, as it were, set the scene about Israel. Now, a lot of Christians don't realize the importance of Israel, but it's, Israel is central to the Bible. In fact, God's everlasting covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, and Jacob, of course, is Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is, you know, this is at the core of the Bible. And, uh, for instance, let's read Psalm 105, verse 7 to 12. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. And when they were few in number, indeed very few and strangers in it. So, this is an everlasting covenant, an unconditional covenant of grace, of God's promise, and therefore it continues to be in force. In indeed, God has bound himself to Israel. He is the God of Israel. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in the Bible, you know, there's nothing more powerful than covenant. And the fulfillment of Bible prophecies is ultimately about the fulfillment of God's covenants to Israel. At the heart of the Bible is the truth that Yahweh is a covenant-keeping God. Our salvation depends on it. And if he fails to keep his covenants to Israel, he is shown to be an unfaithful God or a weak God that can't fulfill his promise. And this is actually the background and under, helps us to understand what Satan's work on the earth is. His plan is to destroy, annihilate the Jewish people and Israel. In fact, this is the satanic source of, of anti-Semitism, because if he can destroy Israel, he can prove God to be, as it were, um, an unfaithful God who doesn't keep his word. And so whenever you see that spirit of anti-Semitism, you're looking at the manifestation of the evil one. The Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham was developed in detail through three further um, related everlasting covenants. The first one is the land covenant. That's in Deuteronomy 29 and 30 that promised Israel a land, in other words, nationhood. The second was the Davidic covenant, which was the promise of the throne that God would give the throne, the kingdom of God on earth would be established through the house of David, through Israel, but through David in particular. And Jesus, of course, is the son of David. And he preached that the kingdom was at hand. He was going to establish his kingdom on the earth. But when Israel rejected her king, and the, the classic moment is when he presented himself as her Messiah King, as he rode into Jerusalem on, on the donkey at the triumphal entry, but of course the leaders rejected him. And so that's why Israel was scattered to the nations, and that took place in AD 70. 
and for almost 2,000 years Israel was scattered to the nations. But according to God's covenant, the kingdom, the messianic kingdom, must be established through Israel, which is why it's essential that Israel maintains her identity and also comes to repentance and faith before Jesus comes before he comes the second time to establish his kingdom. We see that in Matthew 23, verse 37. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets, stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house, the temple, is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you will see me no more until you say, until the leaders of Israel say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, Jesus' return will take place when Israel calls on Jesus and welcomes Jesus to return as the Messiah King. And then he will establish his kingdom on earth through Israel in fulfillment of those covenants, the Abrahamic and the Davidic covenant. And, and the same truth is in Acts 3, when Peter preached to Israel. He said, those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. What he's saying here is that Israel must repent so that God can send Jesus Christ from heaven and he is being kept in heaven. Heaven must receive him until the times of the restoration of all things. Now that is the millennium when everything that has been destroyed in the fall will be restored and that is what all God's prophets had predicted um, they always speak of that future golden age under the, the rule of the Messiah so again we see that Israel's repentance and faith in her Messiah Jesus must happen before his second coming so that's the second covenant the Davidic covenant the third covenant that was prophesied was the new covenant and this is the blessing aspect of the Abrahamic covenant. God promised Abraham a, a, you know, a blessing, that God would bless him, and through Abraham and his seed, all the nations would be blessed. And so that is the promise of salvation through Christ, the seed of Abraham. And that's talking about, you know, obviously, our everlasting relationship with God. And that was prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I'll make a new covenant. Notice, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So God's going to make a new covenant so that all Israel will, will dwell uh, under the new covenant through the Messiah. And that will be fulfilled in the millennium. But, but we're in the new covenant, aren't we? We're not part of the house of Israel. How do we get in on it? Well, Paul, does, Paul explains that in Galatians 3. He says, You are all sons of God, praise God, through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And the key thing is that we are put into Christ when we believe on Christ. And he says there's neither Jew or Greek. So in other words, this salvation is for all nations, praise God, not just for the Jews. And he explains how. Neither Jew or Greek, 
neither slave or free, neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The important issue is that we are in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, because you're in Christ Jesus, then you are Abraham's seed. And there's the key. And heirs according to the promise. So all the blessing of the covenant, which includes salvation, was given to Abraham and his seed. That seed is Christ. Christ is Abraham's seed, and he received every blessing of salvation for, for us. Praise God. So when we're put in Christ, we're put into Abraham's seed, and now we are Abraham's seed. And now we qualify to inherit the blessing of Abraham, which is salvation. So, in other words, Israel will come into the new covenant, but in the meantime, all Gentiles who believe go into Christ and they inherit the new covenant blessing of Abraham. Praise God. So, very quickly, looking at these covenants, first of all, the land covenant was actually given in Deuteronomy 29 and 30. We see it's a different covenant from the old covenant, the Moses covenant, which was a temporary covenant. This is an everlasting covenant because it's part of the Abrahamic covenant. And he, and, he, and he says this in Deuteronomy 29.1. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he made with them in Horeb. In other words, this is a different covenant to the, Mose to the Mosaic covenant. This is the land covenant. Um, and in this, I'll just quickly summarize it, he, he anticipates that Israel will sin. And that he says God will remove Israel from the land as a discipline, disperse her to the nations. That was all predicted. And in Deuteronomy 30, he promised, though, that he would ultimately regather Israel from all the nations. And we see that being fulfilled before our eyes. And the full prophecy in Deuteronomy 30 will only be fulfilled at Christ's return when Israel has repented and then this worldwide regathering will be completed. But this prophecy has been fulfilled. You know, Israel has been scattered to the nations from AD 70, and God is regathering her. And we see a similar prophecy in Leviticus 26 that describes the five cycles of discipline that God would apply to Israel if she sinned. The fourth cycle was that she would be disciplined by enemy occupation and, and domination. If they sinned, he says, you'll get, they'll go into a fifth cycle, which is ex expulsion from the land. And this actually happened with the Babylonian captivity for 70 years. But the prophecy also indicates there'll be another dispersion, not just to Babylon, but to all the nations. And that was fulfilled in AD 70 because of Israel's rejection of the Messiah. But again, at the end of that prophecy, in Leviticus 26, 40 to 46, God says he will ultimately regather Israel from every nation. And this is a, a strong theme in Bible prophecy. He who scattered Israel will also gather her again in the end times. And many of the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they predicted the return of Israel to her own land from a worldwide captivity. And this, of course, would require one of the greatest miracles of all time. In fact, <clears throat> it's necessary for Israel to be back in her land before the start of the tribulation 
because the prophecies of this time assume that Israel is a nation in the land and in control of Jerusalem. You know, you can see that in Matthew 24, in, in Daniel 70 weeks, in the, uh, the end of the book of Zechariah and, and uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 and, and in the book of Revelation too. So the stage must be set for the final scene to take place. And, and that requires Israel's regathering and re-establishment re as a nation before the tribulation. So end-time prophecy is focused on Israel in her land. And so we would expect the, this miraculous event of the restoration, the rebirth of Israel as a nation, to be a major end-time sign that tells us we're in the end times. Well, this is a major theme of Old Testament prophecy, but also it's in the teaching of Jesus. Jesus gave the rebirth of Israel as a nation as the main sign by which we would know that we, would, we were in the final, as it were, generation before the tribulation. And, and he did that through the parable of the fig tree. And the parable of the fig tree is actually given in Luke chapter 13. The fig tree, this establishes that the fig tree represents Israel. He also spoke this parable, Luke 13, a certain man, this is God actually, has had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. We'll see that this is the nation of Israel in the land um, of Israel. And he came seeking fruit from it and found none. The fruit is a picture of faith. Um, so this man actually is Jesus. Um, and he came to Israel looking for fruit, but he found none. He found unbelief. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, we know that's the father in John 15, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree. That's the three years into the ministry of Jesus. He says to, to the father, I can't find any fruit. Cut it down. Cut down the fig tree. In other words, it's time for Israel to be removed from the land. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered, the father answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also. Let's give them one more year of grace until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. And this is a prophecy of the cutting off of Israel. What happened is three years plus this extra year of grace takes you to six months after the cross that Jesus ministered for three and a half years. And six months after the cross is Stephen's speech. It's the speech of a prosecution attorney and basically saying you've always resisted the Holy Spirit. And at that point, um, Jesus stood up in heaven and Israel was, was cut off, as it were, uh, in terms of, for a time, for a season, in terms of being God's representative in the earth. And this is where the anointing came upon the church which is made from every nation and tribe on an equal basis. And so since then, the church has been uh, God's representative in the earth. And of course, from Acts chapter 8 onwards, we see the Samaritans and the Gentiles coming into the church. But here we see Israel is the fig tree, but because of unbelief, it is cut down. Um, by the way, in Jeremiah 24, Jews in captivity who were scattered are described as figs. So the fig tree is when Israel is actually a nation in, planted in the land. Okay, so the, is that the end of Israel? Jesus did a similar thing, didn't he, when he cursed the fig tree. 
that was an acted parable showing that that generation of Israel would be cut down because she did not bear fruit. But in his end time prophecy, Jesus saw the, this fig tree of Israel restored back in the land and the major end time sign. Matthew 24, 32. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. He says, let's, get, let's talk about the fig tree again. When its branches are, and he's talking about the end time events. He says, when its branches become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors, and that the kingdom is near. So in other words, when you, you will see the fig tree rise up again in the land of Israel. Now notice, not bearing fruit, just leaves. So again, it predicts that Israel will be restored, first of all, in unbelief, will be bearing leaves. But that happened in 1948. The fig tree of Israel is back in the land. And he says, but summer is near, that's the time when Israel will bear fruit. And Israel will come to faith, and the kingdom of God will be established on the earth. And then he says, I assuredly, I say to you, this generation that sees the fig tree back in the land will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Praise God, the second coming will all happen within a man's lifetime of 1948. And so the rebirth of Israel is a clear sign we're in the last days. The world has crossed over the threshold into the end times right now. And so we are, you know, the, in, that's why Israel's in the center of the spiritual action that's, that's going on right now. It's a sign that the Lord is coming back soon and he's going to save Israel. He's going to restore Israel. He's going to establish his kingdom through Israel. Jesus also predicted this in Luke 21, 24. It predicted that Israel would be led captive into all nations and Jerusalem would be trampled by the Gentiles until, in other words, not forever, that at the end times, he's going to regather them. And so until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, he's going to hand over Israel into the hands of the Gentiles for a time, but that's going to come to an end. And then Jerusalem will come back under Israeli control. And that took place in 1967. And Gentiles no longer have the right to dominate Israel. That time has, is finished. And when you read the prophecies concerning the regathering of Israel, it's important to understand, and this is why often people misinterpret them, the prophets spoke of two stages, two divinely ordained stages to this regathering from the nations. First of all, there would be an initial regathering from the nations, not a complete, it would be partial, and it would be in unbelief. And God will bring them back as a nation and prepare them and for the tribulation, and he will work with them to bring them to faith in Christ. That will happen in the tribulation. That's the fig tree bearing forth its leaves. That's stage one. And then in the tribulation, Israel will as all Israel will be saved. They will, they will come to faith. And then when Jesus returns, he will blow his trumpet and he will regather all the Jews, a complete regathering in faith. And all Israel will be regathered and will be established in the land for the kingdom of God. And so it describes these two stages. First, God will regather them in unbelief to the land, and then he will bring them to the Lord. Praise God. And we see that in Ezekiel 36 and 37 in particular. Um, 
Ezekiel 36 describes their sin. And then he talks about the regathering of Israel in unbelief. Um, that's in verse 22. Say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you've profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned again among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations will know that I'm the Lord, that says the Lord God, when I'm hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all your countries and bring you to your own land. Notice this regathering is not for their sake. It's not because they're in faith. They're still in sin. But God does it for his own name's sake, for the honor of his name, because otherwise people will think he is a God who doesn't honor his covenants. And so to glorify his name, he has brought Israel back into the land and for his own name's sake. But they are in unbelief. And then that's confirmed in verse 25 when he says, now that they're back in the land, then he says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. And he says, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit and I'll put my spirit within you and so forth. And in other words, he's talking about the salvation of Israel, but that will happen after they've been regathered to the land in unbelief. And, uh, and then he goes on to describe that once they are saved, then he says, all Israel will dwell in her land for the thousand years. And you will be my people and I will be your God. And this is confirmed in the famous vision in Ezekiel 37 of the scattered dry bones because it describes the restoration of Israel in the same two stages. Again, a, a quick summary of it is he sees Israel as the scattered, as scattered dead bones scattered around the world. And the first time Ezekiel prophesies, those scattered bones are brought together and flesh comes on them. And in fact, you'll see that in uh, verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. And indeed, as I looked, the sinews and flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. So the first stage is a regathering of the scattered bones of Israel back to the land so that they form one body but they have no spiritual life. That was the first word of God. They, then Ezekiel was told to prophesy a second time. And that second prophecy says, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, O son of man, and say to the breath, or the spirit, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. And so by this second word of God, the spirit of God came into this nation, and Israel as a nation will be saved. That's still yet to happen in the future. In verse 11, he confirms who these bones are. These bones are the whole house of Israel. This is a prophecy of the future regathering and spiritual regeneration of Israel, but it's going to happen in two stages. And, and so you, the detail of it is that, that God will, will do that over a process of time. He is gathering those bones. He is putting the flesh on those bones and and the time is coming when he will actually breathe the breath of life. They will receive the Spirit of God through the new covenant. And so we're going to pick up on this next time. 
But I would just want to say that in the, in the prophecies, it predicts the first regathering of Israel, and that's fulfilled. The central date is, of course, 1948, when Israel was reborn as a nation. 1967 was when Jerusalem, the historic capital <coughs> of Israel, was recaptured and came under Israel's control. And now we're going to look at the next major prophecy that, that was predicted, and that's Psalm 83. And we're going to look at that in detail next time. There, there are, in fact, two prophecies that talk about um, a warfares that take place once Israel is regathered to the land in the last days. And they are Psalm 83 and Ezekiel 38. In fact, I've written a book about Ezekiel 38 called The Imminent Invasion of Israel. But before Ezekiel 38, as we're going to see, Psalm 83 has to be fulfilled. So the first phase, and in fact, for about for 75 years up to now, from 1948 to the present time, well, I'm speaking in 2023, um, we, are, we have been in the fulfillment of Psalm 83. And this describes an, the inner ring of nations around Israel conspiring together to, to destroy her. Now, once these inner nations, and the, the prediction is that these inner nations will, will be defeated by Israel uh, militarily, uh, once that happens, there'll be a time of peace and then there's a prophecy of Ezekiel 38 when there will be a great invasion of another group of nations, completely different from the inner ring of nations, like an outer ring of nations, many of them Muslim nations, that will invade Israel, invade the mountains of Israel. And God, in this case, will intervene directly himself and destroy those uh, attacking armies. Then. The next two phases happen in the tribulation. In the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist, who'd made a covenant with Israel, will break this covenant, that's in Daniel 9.27, and he will invade Israel. And he will actually t take over um, what we know as the West Bank, Judea, Samaria, the old city of Jerusalem, the temple. And he will impose a two-state solution, as it were, and uh, that will happen in the middle of the tribulation. <coughs> and then the final stage, as it were, of Satan's plan is what we call the Battle of Armageddon. At the end of the tribulation, the Antichrist gathers all the nations of the armies of the world to attack and destroy Israel once and for all at Armageddon, by which time Israel has come to faith in Jesus Christ, calls on Jesus, and in Jesus returns in his power and glory at the second coming, and destroys the Antichrist and his armies, and saves Israel. So that is the wars that are predicted that are, are yet to come. So next time we're going to take a close look at Psalm 83. Thank you for watching. Join with us at Oxford Bible Church every Sunday at 11am Greenwich Mean Time for our live stream service. Or join us at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, ox 37 qh you can watch more of our teachings on our Roku channel and Derek Walker's YouTube channel. All Derek Walker's books are available in printed and Kindle versions in all Amazons worldwide or online with other great products. 
where you can also support our programmes at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.